you've got your Bibles open to Mark chapter 11. Is Aaron in the house? Aaron, you're, where are you at? Come on up here, boss. Why don't you, why don't you give what the Lord has given you? Um, yeah, during worship, I um, was just kind of praying, and I felt like God gave me a clear word for uh, people in the church today. Um, and I felt like God said that, um, you know, there's a lot of people in the room today that have really taken that, uh, the whole verse and the whole scripture about sow in the spirit that you want to reap. There's people that have really taken that to heart, um, whether they've been encouraged to do that or, or they've got it through their own reading. Um, but I feel like for a lot of people that the sowing has gotten really hard. Um, maybe it's always been hard, but they've really taken that word and they've been, you know, they've been plowing, they've been farming, um, but it's been rocks and it's been red Carolina clay and it's been, they just have not seen, um, any fruit of what they've been sowing. Um, and God was just saying to keep going, to be encouraged because under all that is really fertile soil and just keep going because you're going to get rid of all of that crap crud, sorry, on the top, and you're going to get rid of all of it, and under that is going to be incredibly fertile soil. Just keep going, and that's what God was saying. And so, just to confirm with you, just so that you can see it, uh, first of all, the worship team had no idea what I'm preaching. Uh, Number two, JP didn't know what I'm preaching. And so, if you don't think the, wor- the Lord is alive and well and speaking, after I get finished reading this passage of Scripture, I agree with Cheryl. You're dead. All right, you ready? Mark chapter 11, verse 23. For surely I say to you, whoever says... Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he said will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Amen. Matthew chapter 21, verse 21 and 22. So Jesus says to them, he answered them, and he said, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what is done to this fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. You'll receive. Now you just can't ask for, you can't ask for, you know, Wells Fargo Bank and to be the CEO and expect this scripture to come true. You have to pray the will of God. You have to be in relationship with him. You have to trust him. You have to believe him. And you have to pray according to his will. And then, It'll be done. 
Yes? And so as we move into this, as we move into this story, what I want you to understand about it and, and just be aware of, I guess, more than anything else, is in this story in Mark, uh, it is an incredible adventure that Jesus is on, and it is coming to the end of his ministry. And uh, matter of fact, it's Palm Sunday, actually, or Palm Saturday, uh, that, that is about to occur. And uh, if you understand anything about geography, Bethany and Bethpage are, are little villages that are east of Jerusalem. And so Jesus used to always go to those cities because they were, they were at the maximum of a Sabbath day's journey away from Jerusalem. And so Jesus used to walk, and he would go out the east gate, which is where he's going to come back, by the way, if anybody knows anything about Scripture, that's where he's going to come back. He's going to come through the east gate. I have, I have released <laughs> the floodgates. He's going to come back through the east gate, and he's going to come that same direction. But he used to go there, and he, and he came there. And, and this is what, if you'll read the Scripture, this is what happens. What Jesus does is he, he comes from Bethany, and he comes in to uh, the city of Jerusalem, and he goes into the temple area. And he, and he comes in the night before, the night before, and he kind of just looks around, and he sees what's going on. And it's getting late, and so he just cruises through the temple area, and then he goes back to Bethany. And, he, and as he goes, he tells the disciples to go get the colt, where he tells them to go get the colt, and then they get the, the colt and all the things that go along with that. And then, and then he rides in on Palm Sunday, and they throw down their coats, and they throw down their leaves and all that kind of thing. And then he goes in, and he scatters the temple. And, a, and one person, one person uh, cleans the whole temple ground area, the outside area, the outer court, area out from all these people that are that are selling doves and pigeons and sacrifices there's a marketplace set up one person is able to run all those people out of there and, and you and you see that occur and then they leave and he and he runs walks by this fig tree or somewhere in the journey he walks by a fig tree and he curses the fig tree and says nobody will ever eat fruit he sees it in bloom uh, and, he, and there's two things you know about fig trees. First of all, they don't bear fruit until they bloom. In other words, when they got leaves on them, that's when they'll have fruit. This fig tree had leaves on it, but it still wasn't in season yet, and it was still early season. There's a lot of things that are preached about this, but, but the main thing that I want you to hear is why Jesus, why Jesus did what he did. And so in his everyday walking, he's, he's walking through this process. He comes in on this donkey. He, he, gets, in the, he gets in the temple area. He, he, he removes everybody from the outer court and says, my house will be a house of prayer. <clears throat> Curses the fig tree and the disciples see it. And they come back. Actually, it's the day before. And they come back in that day. And there's no, there, the, the fig tree is withered up and dead. So if I hadn't totally confused you about the timeline, uh, 
when he comes back in, they notice that the tree is dead after he cursed it the day before. And they say, what, what in the world is it? Why did this fig tree wither up and die? And why did Jesus curse a fig tree? Why would Jesus even walk by a fig tree and go say to the fig tree, nobody's ever going to eat from you again? And then why did they notice that it was withered up and dead? Well, there's only really one good reason. There's probably a lot of things you can preach. But the one good reason is, is that Jesus wanted to, in his last days, put an exclamation point by the idea that you could uproot mountains and speak to things by the will of God, and they be done. Yes? That is the reason that the fig tree got cursed. So that you and I would know that we had the power to move mountains. Now, when Jesus talks about mountains, and he does it in all kinds of places, what he's talking about is places in your life that seem impossible, JP, wherever he might be. There he is in the back. Impossible places. Now, there's all kind of ways that impossible places come up in your life. Most oftentimes, impossible places come up because of things that you've chosen to do. Sometimes they come up because of situations you find yourself in because of the family tree you live in. You know, there's a... There's a history with your family that, that cause all kinds of mountains in your life. And they're emotional mountains oftentimes. And oftentimes what we find in adults is when they happen as kids, they have been suppressed for years and years and years and years. And so they've got this mountain that is hindering them from becoming everything Jesus wants them to become. And they're, they're held captive by that mountain. And they need that mountain to be moved and cast into the sea. And there's really uh, only one way that that can happen, and that is with God, nothing is impossible. In other words, it's not anything that you can do. There's this giant in front of you that God is going to slay its head and remove it for you and, and call you out and say, you've got the victory. It is, it is a God-sized movement that you have to allow to happen, position yourself to allow it to happen in your life because you're beginning to surrender. All I did was bow, and all I did was worship, we say. Bowing says I recognize your kingship. I recognize your lordship. I recognize who you are and what you're about. I know your nature. Everything about what is created screams your nature in your character. And so we have to have this faith in God to move mountains. The first faith that you really have to have, and, and, and I know this is very Christian, but I, I really want to get past the Christianese, some of the theology, and all of the religion, and say to you that you've really got to believe that this book is true. You've got to really say to yourself that this is the Word of God, and it is trustworthy, and I can put my faith in it. In other words, I can change the way I think based on what it says. I can change how I respond to life 
based on what it says. And I don't care how countercultural it may look if I respond to the Word of God, by the Word of God, do the Word of God, that it's going to bear the results that are promised in the Scripture. That is the first thing that you have to have faith in. If you don't have faith in that, you really are on shaky ground. You don't have a whole lot of firm foundation because most of the time, the Holy Spirit is going to grab the Word of God and He's going to give you that thing so that you can move through to the next place. He's going to, he's going to whisper to you what Jesus said whether he said it in the Old Testament or whether he said it in the New Testament. Don't you know that Jesus spoke both of those? He is the Word, and the Word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. And so there's this place where we've got to come to a place where we believe the Word of God. And then there's this other place of faith that we have to come to. We have to come to the place where we believe that our faith in the Word of God requires action. In other words, if we don't respond to the Word of God, what it says do and what it, what it asks or gives instruction to, are we going to reap the benefits or the, uh, or the lack of benefit, I guess is a better way to say it, of not being obedient? You see, there's a place of faith that says, yeah, I believe the Word of God. But there's another place of faith that we sang, because everything in creation is obedient, so am I. There's a difference between saying, yeah, I believe in the Word of God, and then actually holding yourself accountable by faith to be obedient to the Word of God. It's a major difference in those two. Now listen, and there are so many of us that have mountains in our lives because of our refusal to obey the Word. We believe the Word, but we've got these deep-seated, rooted places of hurt and imprisonment caused by our inability to obey the Word of God. Our refusal to line up that way because somehow we're avenging how we were wronged. And so somehow we're going to take our anger and our avenging out on whatever it is, and therefore we harbor bitterness and unforgiveness as if we're not going to reap what bitterness and unforgiveness brings as a believer because grace is big enough. Grace is God's power to give you the ability to forgive. Grace is not mercy. God is never not merciful, but He's merciful to His sons and daughters, and so that's why people who don't align with Him on this earth don't go to heaven because of God's mercy. It's a whole nother message. But you need to understand that as a believer, first you've got to believe that the Word of God is true, and then you've got to believe that there's consequences as a believer when you disobey, when you don't carry out the Word. And then you've got to also know that there are incredible benefits that God wants to bring to you if you obey. And you've got to choose the benefits. They're not automatic. 
His love is unconditional. His benefits are conditional to obedience. Does that make sense? And so, you've got to believe that the Word of God is true to have the kind of faith that moves mountains. And then you've got to believe that doing it moves the mountain. Yes? So you've got to believe that. Now, once you come to that conclusion, then you've got to have sober judgment of your personal condition. I love what J.P. started this thing with when he said, we've got to exa really examine ourselves, our condition. We're all sinners. We're all, we all are, were sinners. Now we're saints. But we all have sinned. And there's consequences of those sins. And then we come to Jesus because he's the redeemer. He's also the reconciler. He will reconcile that, that junk. But he reconciles it by obedience to his word. And then he's pouring out benefits. But we've got to come to a place of sober judgment when we say, and when we look at the depths of those mountains and say to ourselves soberly, that I, I, I'm not really responding the way the Bible says respond. I am harboring bitterness. I am trying to avenge the wrong. I am harboring unforgiveness. I don't represent mercy very well to people. I don't represent the power of God working in my life. I've, I'm not actually operating in the supernatural. I don't really believe that I can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and then actually be done. So I'm really not working in that particular area. How many of you know that when you know what is right and you refuse to do it, that is sin to you? Yes? And so we've got to have this sober judgment that, that we see where we are, that we see the Word of God, that we believe the Word of God, and we know that we've got to apply the Word of God to actually get His benefit. Now, here's, here's where it really gets hard. It really gets hard when you begin to ask yourself, do I really believe that the Word of God is going to be applied in this situation? In other words, do I think that God's Word applies to my mountain? You say, you say to yourself, Okay, I believe that God's word applies to my mountain. Well, let me ask you this. If you believe that you align yourself and position yourself, and that doesn't mean walk up front one time and commit to Jesus when you were eight and, that, and you're good. These benefits don't come because you did that. These benefits come because you believe the word of God and you do the word of God. And, and then you have to take that, that mountain and you have to say to yourself, does God want me to respond by the word to that mountain? And then have sober judgment of responding by the word toward the mountain. Do you believe that God cares about your mountain? Now, it's easy to go, uh-huh. It's really hard to live the uh-huh. Because we look at the mountains as if it was a mountain. 
or they wouldn't be called mountains. Right? I mean, this is really simple, but it's hard. So, so when we think about mountains, do we really believe that God cares about our mountain? And do we really care that, or believe and have faith that the mountain's going to move? And that God really wants to move the mountain? If, if the mountain doesn't look like the kingdom of heaven, does God want to move the mountain? Do I, do I really believe it? Well, of course, Pastor. I believe that with all my heart. Well, do you believe it about your mountain? What do you mean my mountain? Well, that deep emotional hurt that you've got going on that manifests in 14 different ways and everybody sees it. You're trying to hide it. You're trying to stuff it because you want to look real Christian. God says, you got a mountain. You say, well, what? Ooh, I've been exposed. Now what? Now you got to apply the word to the mountain. I'm telling you, man, there's so much here. There's so much here. What about what you say? Do you know that every word, listen, that every word that comes from your mouth either bears fruit for the kingdom or for hell? No word that proceeds from your mouth doesn't bring forth life or death. How's that lining up with the Word of God? You see what I'm saying? This gets deep. This get, we get responsible for what we're saying. God says, how can blessings and curses come from the same mouth? There's mountains in our lives that God wants to move. Ladies, some of you men can talk just as much. And it's a proof of fact that ladies speak like 30-something thousand words a day. I mean, I have the exception sitting right here. <laughs> There's some dudes that you could crank the motor and you go, golly, dude, come on. Listen. <laughs> I'm the one in my I'm the one in my house, you know. What, what what are you doing? What are you saying? How are you thinking? Do your thoughts represent kingdom thoughts? When you start degrading yourself, when you start criticizing yourself profusely, when you start looking at yourself as if somehow you don't measure up. You're not lining up with kingdom. You're, you're lining up with hellish forces and lies. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> golly. You need to hear me say this. Hellish forces know that you have authority over them. You don't know, but hellish forces know. And all they have, the only power they have is to lie to you and get you to believe that you have no authority. And that the word of God won't work for you. And that mountain can't be removed. Hell is saying that mountain can't be removed. Heaven is saying be removed and cast into the sea. And so you're aligning yourself with the lies of hell and not the kingdom. You've got to be sober when you hear yourself degrade yourself. 
I'm just not fill in the blank. You just are. There's nothing impossible in your life with God. With God and grace, nothing is impossible. So you got to believe and you got to have faith that God cares about your mountain. And then you got to understand that he wants to remove that mountain. And that looks like different different things. And it's not this month, maybe. Maybe it's not in the next three months. You know, when I do marriage counseling, most of the time, you know, when I start in marriage counseling, the marriage is over. And they come into my office and they want me to fix it. I'm not saying this to discourage you from doing marriage counseling. I've got some good programs that will help you. But what I am saying is, it took you 10 years to get in this mess. I'm not going to be able to fix it in three weeks. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So, you know, the mountain might be moved, but it's going to take you bowing down. It's going to take you worshiping. It's going to take you having the faith to move the mountain, and that is that the Word of God is true for you and that you have to, by faith, respond to the Word of God in the way the Word of God wants you to respond. Because what Jesus is going to do is He's going to allow your posture and position to dictate your circumstances. He's going to allow your thinking and what you're doing to actually influence your atmosphere. And so when you line up with hellish forces, what you're going to bear fruit of is that nature. But when you begin to align yourself in worship and bowing down to the things and the ways of God, the atmosphere in your place is going to change. Now, you might find yourself still in bondage or still in prison in some way, but you just continue to pray, continue to walk, continue to have faith, and you're going to see that that mountain is going to begin to shake. You're going to begin to shake that mountain. It's going to begin to rumble. And you're going to see one day that it's going to collapse and fall. It's going to be uprooted because you postured yourself in the ways of God. There's a story in the Old Testament. It's in Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 7 says this. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was God's man. Now, it is not gender-oriented in this particular application. So we're just going to use man as mankind, and we're going to say, I'm God's man. Say it. I'm God's man. Say it louder with conviction. I'm God's man. Okay, let's say it really loud with conviction. I'm God's man. Much better. Who are you, great mountain? Before God's man, you shall become like a plane. And he shall bring forth Jesus with shouts of grace, grace to it. And what you find is this is the rebuilding of the temple of God. And what you've got to know about this whole story, it's an incredible story in Zechariah. What you'll find, too, that it's written in many of the prophets. Many of the prophets were involved in this time frame in Babylon. 
for there was the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is Zion. Not that Zion. <laughs> the house of God. The temple of the Lord. The whole city is destroyed. The temple's destroyed. And it happened 70 years after the resurrection. 70 years later, it all happens. Now listen, why did it happen? Because of the choices of God's people, the chosen of God, to not obey his word and to not bow down and to not surrender to him. And so the whole city is destroyed. Now, what you'll find is that there were people in that city who were serving God with all their hearts. They were bowing down. They, they were submitted to God. Their names that we know of for sure, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. They were held captive in Nebuchadnezzar's palace as believers, and in that prison, in that captivity, as a POW, they brought the kingdom of heaven to Babylon. But they still had to endure the destruction. So it always doesn't look pretty, does it? But God was in the midst. And guess what he did? He rebuilds the temple. And then he rebuilds the city. And he did it resurrubable. And, and it says about him, what was the mountain? The mountain was rebuilding Zion. The mountain was overcoming everything that would shout lies against them. It's happening all through the story. It's your and my story is what it is. And they took the crumbled down, broken down walls of the temple and of the city of Jerusalem, and they didn't go cut new stone. They got the old broken down stone, and they began to build the city. How many of you have taken your broken down life, submitted yourself to the grace of God, and watched him begin to rebuild you in a rapid way? Anybody got a testimony of the goodness and the greatness of our God for rebuilding them from a broken down place? And he says, Grace, who can stop that mountain from being moved? Nobody. And it's a story to you, the same story that Jesus tells with the fig tree. You align yourself with the kingdom of God. You align yourself with the word of God. You believe it by faith. You don't swerve to the left or to the right. You stand firm in your God. You stand firm in the word of God. You know the word of God. You do the word of God. And you watch that mountain be moved. Yes? That's the word of the Lord to you. There's an incredible encouragement in this. God wants you to prosper. He wants you to be victorious. He wants you to conquer. He's the one that speaks to the mountain. He's the one that chops the head off the mountain. 
Yes? He hands the mountain to you and says, this is your victory. How? All I did was bow down. All I did was worship. All I did was surrender. All I did was align myself with heavenly forces and the Word of God. And the Word of God does the work. He wants to do it in you and me. I'm ready. I'm encouraged. I can't wait to see what God does as I surrender to Him, as I grow in Him. We said in the song, more and more. I want to say one more thing. Listen, I don't know. I don't. How many people have been saved for five years or less? Would you raise your hand? Matter of fact, just stand up. Five years or less, stand up. Five years or less, stand up. Yep, get your, get your, yeah, yeah. Let's give them a round of applause. All right, how about 10? How about 10 years or less? 10 years or less. I mean, yeah, 10 years or less. Yeah, keep standing. 10 years or less. Go, go. 20 years. Keep standing. Everybody's 20 or less. Everybody's got to stand. 20 years. Now it's getting bigger. Okay, 30 years, 30 years. Keep coming. All right. All right, now listen. All right, we're going to, all right, for the 40 years. <laughs> Some people are still seated. 50 years. Okay. Here, here's what I want to say, and we're good. We're good. The rest of you can stand. If you're not saved, go ahead and stand up. Some people are waiting on me to go 60. <laughs> Aren't you? Yeah. Miss Julie. Here's the deal. When we get seasoned into faith, and I don't want to put a time frame on this, we feel like we, we got God. Me and God are good. We've been doing this for 30 years. Well, let me tell you something. That is one of the most dangerous positions you could possibly be in. We've got a God that spoke to the universe and is still responding. If you think you got him figured out, you think you've learned everything you're going to learn about him, you have absolutely bought into a way of thinking that will kill you. There is so much more. He's got so much more for you. He wants to pour out on you. He wants you to realize he has great things for you. So just look, pursue, go after him, expect, believe, have faith, remove the mountains, attack the mountains in your life and get them out of there. They're hindering you from becoming everything God wants you to be. Anything that doesn't look like Jesus, get rid of it. Be committed to that. All I did was worship. All I did was bow down. All I did was believe and have faith that your grace was enough for me. I want to believe that. In Jesus' name, let's pray together. While, while, while your heads are bowed, I just want to say this. To those that might not be in the faith, that haven't received Jesus as their Savior, that 
that aren't trying to pursue him. I just want to say to you, he loves you. And he poured out every, all his love at the cross towards you. And you know in your heart, and you can't resist the fact that he's real. He's true. You know it is. You know it in your heart that it's real. But you just resisted for many, many years. And I just want to encourage you today and tell you that God has incredible plans for you if, if you'll surrender to him. And I also want to encourage you that the time is short. You don't want to get to the place where you can no longer hear his call to come to the cross. Or you're so far away that you're deaf. Our, our, our prayer team is going to be up front, and they would love to pray with you if you want to receive Jesus. If you've got a mountain that needs to be moved, they want to pray for you specifically about that mountain. So I'm going to ask the prayer team to go ahead and come. And, and and if the prayer team needs mountains moved, y'all pray with each other. We all. I just don't want to eliminate anybody. I just want to read something before, before Alex prays. And some translations of your Bible will have like little headers on sections, and this this in the New King James is called the desert years. And it says this, it says, uh, it says so this is, this is kind of chronicling the, the journey through the desert. It says, then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea, and the Lord spoke to me, and we skirted Mount Seir for many days. And the Lord spoke to me saying, you have skirted this mountain long enough. Turn northward. And a few verses later, it says, For the Lord your God has blessed you and all the work of your hand. He knows you're trudging through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you, and you have lacked nothing. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. How many need, got a couple of mountains that need to be removed right now? Would you just raise your hand? I got mountains that need to be removed all over the place. So I expect this morning, we're going to pray right now, but come get it prayed for specifically. These people will renounce whatever's tying it to you, and they will proclaim and, and pray the blessing of God over you. Father, in the name of Jesus. Just keep your hands raised real high. We're going to go right there with that. Father, in the name of Jesus, we, these are the ones who say, I, I bow. I'm dependent upon you. And Father, we need you desperately. And I ask you, God, not only to reveal, but the, to, to let us know, to, to comfort us and know that if we'll respond to you, oh God, by your word, that you're the healer, you're the redeemer, you're the reconciler. So, Father, I thank you for that. And I ask you to move with power. Lord, may we never be the same. And we say out loud together in a loud voice, we say, more, Lord. Let's say it together. More, Lord. More, Lord. More. Come on, Lord. More. We want more of you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Reveal yourself to us, oh God. I thank you for that. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come get prayer. God bless you.